This is Packer and Durham on ACCN and Sirius XM Channel 371. I'm Mark Packer in the basement. There's no Robert. There's no Captain Ron. There's no Otto. As a matter of fact, Chester and Fuller aren't even in their positions because they're at the door behind me looking out, waiting on Buddy <laughs> West to come pulling in, running seven-ish late. And I keep telling the boys, he's not coming to the basement today. So the boys are back over here. Nope. If you're watching this on television, yep. Chester's not in his Roger Goodell chair with the Jim Phillips uh, blanket. And uh, Fuller are normally sitting on Wes's feet because I'm in Wes's position. Uh, but the boys are looking out the window expecting uh, sulfur biscuits and the arrival of Mr. Durham, which is not happening because my partner is in Cartersville. Here comes Chester. There you go. My partner's down here at home in Cartersville. So what's happening? That's it. Uh, is it warm enough for you? Just checking. How are we doing on warmth? Everybody warm? Yeah, Chester's now back in the Goodell chair, and uh, he's going to find him a spot. He now realizes that uh, Wes is running late. There he is. He's moment. He's <clears throat> yeah. It's it's it is it is toasty oh. in the Queen City. We're supposed yeah. to hit three digits today. Three digits yep. today. Whew. Yeah, it's supposed to be incredibly warm, and uh, with that, in the southeast this time of year comes our friend humidity as well. Um, Yesterday was the first time in this area it's gone to 95 and 325 days, and they're talking about three digits potentially here uh, today as well. So uh, the June heat is here, uh, at least in part of the ACC footprint. I did see folks in Corvallis, Oregon last night bundled up at baseball. God bless them. Bundled up, Pac, to watch the Oregon State-Auburn Game three situation. Uh, well, I got good news but, for the uh, folks. Nonetheless, I got, I got good news for the folks at Oregon State. If they're cold, they can get back home and uh, turn on the heat because uh, there's no need to go back outside anytime soon because they're on the couch. The rest <laughs> not of the until way. September. Yeah, yeah, that's the way. Not that works. until September. The only thing hotter yeah. in Atlanta um, than the temperature are your beloved Atlanta Braves. Uh, Roddy Jones got the uh, war mm-hmm. path going on or something. They won what twelve in a row? I think it is the Bravos. Yep. Pretty mm-hmm. good. Yep. In Four fact, champs. hot. I gotta tell you something. A, a week from tonight, um, Vicky and I are going to see the Braves and your San Francisco Giants. Wow, you got tickets? Found a way to get tickets for that game? Yeah. Wow, it wasn't sold out? Yeah. I mean, the folks in Atlanta not sold, no. not selling out to see the Giants? Man. Oh. It's kind of disappointing. So, of course, see the G Men and the uh, yeah, Braves and Giants next Tuesday night. Well, we'll come Down rolling at, uh, in there. Truist. We'll, we'll come rolling in there with our AAA lineup. See what y'all can do with that. Get, get that all over you. <laughs> uh, speaking of rolling in, Notre Dame in Texas is now set for whoa, a whoa, 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 seven whoa. o'clock. Whoa, 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 whoa! You you are going way too fast for the A block, my man. You you skipped over the most important I was, piece of literature. Oh, I know what the most today. important thing was. I was just going to tie it together here real quick so we no, could get no, to the most important no, thing. Wait, wait a minute. No, Let, let's not get rolling into Omaha just yet. Notre Dame got plenty of time to get out there and see Hook'em coming up on Friday. But today, America, listen up. Today mm-hmm. is National Bourbon Day. Right? That's right. So. You know, it's 100 degrees where you live. I suggest your favorite glass, a giant one singular ice cube, a little pour. Mm-hmm. You put your feet up, you turn on the air conditioner, yep. and you sip. 
Yep. And you sip and you sip and you sip. And then when you get done, <laughs> you do it all over again. Damn. And the next thing you know, day's over with and the temperature drops into the 80s. And then you know what you do? You get another ice cube, you pour, and you sip, and you sip, and you sip. Today is National mm -hmm. Bourbon Day. And so treat it with respect. Grab your favorite brown water and rejoice. Mm -hmm. Maybe you smoke a bourbon. Maybe you have one of those smokers. Do that deal. You can if you want. All I those still smoke got, Manhattans or something. I st still yeah. got my Woodford Reserve pin right here. I might even have to wear that today in honor of mm -hmm. the National yeah. Bourbon Day. So now we can get That's to it. business. Now we can get to business. Did you have any bourbon in Italy, by the way? No, I did not. I I, uh, I went exclusive. Yeah. I well, went you're going to miss it when you move, aren't you? Mike, I will tell you. Uh, and I'm not a necessarily a wine drinker, even though I will partake the grapes. Uh, but in yeah. Italy, it was all reds for me. House red. Yeah. Every day. That's it. Every yeah. day. And it, you know, let me tell you something. It's cheaper than water over there. And man, is it good. God, is it good. And I'm not even a, a mm -hmm. wine connoisseur, but it was spectacular. So I no brown go. water. I didn't have a sip of brown water. All reds mm -hmm. in Italy. House reds. That's it. It's good. Um, That's great. Not good. So today, celebrate great. National Bourbon Day, but do it accordingly, friends. Yeah, it's it's Be safe. A, that's the thing about bourbon, man. You you, you know, bur this is hey, you're not at the, a tailgate and get my you know PBR and shotgunning all day. That's not what this is about. Bourbon's about enjoying the entire day, right? The entire day. In fact, I've come up with a phrase, yes. Wes, uh, that I ran across mm. with my Italian classes. That maybe okay. the name of the show we should change the name of the show to Il, Il Dolce Far Niente. Il dolce far niente, which means the sweetness of doing nothing. And if that doesn't epitomize the goal of all of us, something wrong with it. Il dolce far niente. So there you go, Wes. Buongiorno. That's, there's your Italian lesson for the day. Now you get we the voice of victory and creative on that right away. Well, il dolce far niente. The sweetness of doing nothing. Does that not, I mean, you mm. know what? That might be a good name for, uh, you know, we had an assignment. Courtney Banghart said she wanted us to come up with a name for her boat. How about that? Il Dolce Farniente. Yeah, if she's watching, that may be, a, I don't know if you could get that on the back of your boat, but the sweetness of doing nothing. That just sounds good to me. The sweetness of doing nothing. Yeah. All right. I'm now, um, now we can get to Omaha. I, I, one quick note here. Um, the Voice of Victory brought Angela Travato along to co-produce the program. There's the Voice of Victory. Right. Angela and I have been um, talking to time. So, well, that's I, I was noticing that since Angela arrived on the program yesterday, yeah, all of a sudden the Italian has ramped up a lot. Well, I couldn't a lot talk. of connectivity I, I, I with couldn't. new producers, Who and now I, all of a sudden we got you know. Who, I'll just ask you, who could I have a conversation with about speaking Italian on our staff for the, for the 646 shows that we have done? Is there anyone that we have run across 
Maybe Steve Adazio when he was at BC. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's, that's a short list. So when Angela comes on board, and I find out yeah. she minored in Italian, and she's she got engaged mm. at Lake Como, which is a place I was just well, on and on I mean, about. Yeah. So we had like an instant yeah. connection to talk about Italian. And when my Italian lesson yesterday started talking about yours and ours and theirs and it's got so confusing so she's like oh pack i totally get so we were our first 30 minutes today prior to the show is talking about translation of trying to speak italian so again it's a little pet project of mine on the side so that's the and there's i can't have that conversation with you in cartersville yeah, I mean, you're going to look at me like, hey, a pack, let's go get a cannoli and a pizza. That's all That's all you got for me when it comes to Italian. We can go to Doug's and get a meet and three over in Emerson. <laughs> right, right. So, I mean, so what, what do you, you, you think I'm not going to talk to Angela about Italian? Of course I am. Plus, she's Italian. All right, now. So all of a sudden, we're ascending, now, ascending on it- Italian, or as we say down here, Italian. We're ascending. Dude, Italian. You know, your idea of Italian is, hey, Pac, let's go to Olive Garden. I'm like, no, no. No, no, no. Whoa, whoa, no, whoa, whoa. No, Wait a second. No. Wait no. a second. Not Wait going to Olive Garden with you. Unless it's Bread a breadsticks in the bottomless salad. That is not Italian. But no. thank you. Um, all right. Let's uh And if they're let's, offended, let's move along you know here. what? And if they're, and listen, if the executives at Olive Garden are offended, <laughs> Hey, you haven't spent a dime on our network, so guess what? I'm not a, I'm not worried about offending you. That's how I feel right. about that. That's how I feel about that deal. Quickly, quickly, we move to the college world series. I've been series, trying to get us Friday. to Omaha, but you keep messing <laughs> yeah, around with yeah. stuff that's not important. Can we get to Notre okay. Dame, Texas? Uh, <laughs> huh? Can we yes, get to Notre Friday Dame, Texas, night, please? Seven o'clock. We'll be downtown in Omaha, first pitch on ESPN. Great coverage of this event. Uh, again, as many times as we've told you in the last couple of weeks, it's a bucket list event. If your team's going or you're even remotely connected to a team, I can't encourage you enough to go be a part of the scene in Omaha. It's really one of America's great, great events, the College World Series. Um, Notre Dame makes their first trip to Omaha in 20 years. It was the 2002 team of recently retired LSU coach Paul Maneri that uh, that went to Omaha. Uh, it was a team that had like Steve Stanley out in center field and had beaten Florida State and Tallahassee in the Super Regional to advance. Um, this team feels gritty like that one does, in all honesty. This one's got a little bit of grit to them. It's got a little bit of age to them. Um, it's also the sixth Atlantic Coast Conference team to reach the College World Series without hosting. In one of the really, really weird kind of notes following this Notre Dame team, they joined NC State and Virginia. Remember, Virginia had the Supers held at a neutral site after winning at South Carolina. They beat Dallas Baptist in Columbia. You may remember Grand Slams and walk-offs and Stephen Shock and all that. Then Florida State in 2019 came through Baton Rouge. That's where Raleigh Bourbon was created, by the way, for National Bourbon Day. Virginia did it again in 2009 and Miami in 2006. So Notre Dame, the sixth number one team to upset a national seed in school's history, but they're also the sixth ACC team to reach without hosting pack. I don't know how much that counts once you get to this event, because I think we touched on this last week. Once you get to this event, 
the dynamic of what you've done the last two weekends, I think, changes complexity almost entirely. Yeah, but it does give you the, the spunk of this team. Um, and I think that's one of the things that Link Jarrett loves about his club. And uh, I go back to all the conversations we had with the baseball experts last week when discussing Notre Dame and her chances against Tennessee. Everybody said, hey, they put the ball in play, they pitch, they play great mm-hmm. defense, and they've got experience. And one of the things that Link Jarrett talked to us about was having to go through Mississippi State a year ago in Stark Vegas, how much that would help them. And it certainly did in Knoxville. So I think Notre Dame rolls out to Omaha thinking, hey, why not us? I mean, the best team in the history of college baseball apparently lived in Knoxville, Tennessee. They were 37-3 and at home. And we beat them two out of three, and nobody gave us a chance. Mm-hmm. And that's why I thought it was such a big deal for them to knock them off. Uh, so, hey, they're going to roll out there and figure, guess what? And no matter who we play, uh, they're not going to be as good as that Tennessee team that we just knocked off. So, I think if you're Notre Dame, it's not necessarily you're playing with house money because you're there to win a national championship. But I, I think Link Jarrett right. feels great about what he's got. He's got experience, he's got pitching, he's yeah. got a team that knows how to play. And like I said, the thing I love about this tournament is I don't care who you are. I don't care what that number says beside your name. You have to earn your way to Omaha, you know, between a regional Mm -hmm. and then a super, whether you're hosting, whether you're on the road, whatever the conditions may be, getting to Omaha is an amazing accomplishment. Now you got to win it. And that has been a bugaboo for the ACC, as we talked about ad nauseum last week. Wake Forest in 55, Mm -hmm. Virginia in 15. There have been a gazillion teams that have made it, but now can the ACC, and in this particular case, just Notre Dame, close the deal? That's the million-dollar question. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to watch this unfold a little bit. It's double elimination on either side, and then they work themselves down to two, and then it's one from the left and one from the right, essentially, and it's best two out of three from there. Right. Championship runs somewhere in the neighborhood of 10 or 11 days, weather permitting out in Nebraska. And as we've said before, it's just a terrific, terrific um, environment. Um, We're going to get deeper into Notre Dame and Texas in this College World Series. We'll do that a lot more on tomorrow's show with guests and so forth. Um, But there is one thing kind of on the line here. Is Notre Dame qualifying as a team of destiny? Is that a possibility out of all of this? Do they have to win a game or two to trigger that? Or are they already there after beating Tennessee two out of three? You know, th- that to me is, you know, media hype nonsense. I mean, if you want to go there, great. I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. The, the object's to win it. The object's to have a dog pile. Right. I mean, what's your goal in Omaha? I want to be in a dog pile. That's all you got to do. You're going to eat great right. steaks. They're going to treat you like a million bucks because Omaha's awesome. But the object's to have a dog pile. So you want to call that destiny? Knock yourself out. Doesn't matter to me. Uh, but what Notre Dame did to Tennessee was legendary. I mean, that, that'll be one you take to your grave, uh, given what everyone assumes that Tennessee baseball team was this year. is one of the greatest baseball teams of all time. And Notre Dame went, hey, thank yep. you very much. Good night. You'll be a chapter in the book is what you'll be, classless, since that's what Tennessee likes to brand yep. themselves as. So I'll go with it, classless. Um, Common team of destiny, you know, the, to me, the team of destiny is the one that wins it all, not the one that necessarily right. gets to Omaha. You know, at eight get to yeah. Omaha. The object, like I said, is to get in that freaking dog pile. You do that, you call yourself whatever you want, including national champion. There you go. Uh, we got a busy show for you today. Bottom of the hour, 
John Meter Perel comes back by the program, the voice of BC football. Yep. And uh, former colleague of Packer back in the old Charlotte radio days. That's right. Uh, Claudio Romero will Claudio. be here at the 8 o'clock hour. He's the UVA discus national champion by two centimeters last week out in Oregon. Yep. Two centimeters. He's he from, won that. He is from Chile. Uh, he is from Chile. I believe that will be yes. our first uh, – Student athlete slash guest from Chile. I believe that's accurate. okay. Yasir Yasir Abdullah will join us, the Louisville linebacker who's a hitting machine. We're yes, looking sir. forward to talking to him at eight thirty. Uh, Nine o'clock hours full. Gene Chizik will be here, old friend. Right now, the uh, back in coaching is an assistant associate head coach at head he, coach at Carolina. He was helping a, the defensive coordinator. Another one of my former radio co-hosts from SiriusXM days, mm-hmm. Gene Chizik, who's back at Carolina yeah. 2.0. Yep. Happy for him. There you go. Yep. Uh, he and Mac Brown locking up and uh, plotting and planning. And then Andy Demetra, the voice at Georgia Tech, will join us. We'll talk about the Jackets. BC and Georgia Tech are our two-a-days today here on uh, Packer and Durham. So a busy Tuesday unfolding here. Uh, when we come back, uh, yesterday, Packer said Notre Dame's uh, Super Regional win at Tennessee might be Notre Dame's greatest contribution since joining the ACC. Some disagreed. Uh, what was your school best moment for the new team since 2000 in their ACC history? We'll talk about it and show you some of the opinions next on Packer and Durham. Good morning. The Packer and Durham Podcast. This is the Packer and Durham Podcast. National Bourbon Day. Thoroughgood. Oh, yeah. Never heard anybody either. 844-SAY-ACCN, the number. 844-SAY-ACCN. Busy, busy show with guests today. Slammed. Um, All right, real quick here. Let's go back to yesterday where Pac offered to put Notre Dame's uh, super regional victory at number one overall seed uh, Tennessee up on a shelf. I did. And here's what he said. Since Notre Dame has joined the Atlantic Coast Conference, Right? And I know they're not a football member, so don't go bonkers on me with all that. We know the rules. Right. Since they've joined the ACC, would you say that Notre Dame's baseball accomplishment over the weekend, knocking off the heavily favored Tennessee Vols, is that the biggest sports accomplishment that Notre Dame has made since joining the ACC? Now, I'm just going to pose that question to everybody. I think it is. I think it's the biggest ACC accomplishment for Notre Dame. Okay. Hmm. I went there. Folks, yesterday, folks, yesterday um, responded. And I think Arike Agumbawale's threes to win a national championship was one that was cited as bigger. Get it? The one that came back to me yesterday more than I – I didn't think – I knew it would be mentioned 
was beating Duke and Carolina in consecutive nights in Greensboro to win the 2015 ACC Basketball Championship. No, come on. Come on, come on. Listen, you know, I, and here's why I made the statement I did. And, and again, you, you can go wherever you want. It, it, there's no right answer here. Whatever makes you happy. Notre Dame, winning a national championship really does trump everything. All right, so I'm, no, I'm not a fool. So I get that. But I expect Muffet's teams to win national titles. You know, when they beat Mississippi mm-hmm. State, a Mississippi State, I think, was ranked fourth in the country and Notre Dame was fifth. I mean, those are, you know, those, that's one of those games that, hey, it's a dice roll, neutral site, roll it out there and go. I expect Notre Dame women's basketball to win national titles under Muffet, and I expect that to be the case with Niel moving forward with the team they've got coming back. I think I got a chance to do it this upcoming year. So, and, and if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken, you can look this up. Uh, I believe Notre Dame had a, ha- a higher RPI than the team they beat to win the national title. And again, I'm not taking anything away from winning a national title. That, to me, is the ultimate trump card, right? It, it's, it, that is a bigger deal sure. than winning a Super Regional or an ACC tournament. Or, I get all that. But what Notre Dame did mm-hmm. to overcome on the road at Tennessee, a team that was supposed to be so much better than anybody we've ever seen in baseball, Right. I mean, Notre Dame beating Mississippi State, hey, had they lost by one, you'd have gone, well, it's, it's, a, it's a dice roll game. And, and in regards to Mike Bray's guys, obviously they played great that week in Greensboro. But Wes, mm-hmm. you know, everybody's talking about, well, they beat Duke in Carolina. Okay, great. Awesome. They did it in Greensboro. Cool. Do you know what seed Notre Dame was in that ACC tournament? Do you, do you want to take a guess? They were four, I think, weren't they? Or three? Three. Three. Yeah. You, want North, you know what North Carolina was seeded in that tournament? Five. Five? Ooh. So, I mean, if that makes you happy, hey, go for it. Do you know who the highest seeded team was in that ACC tournament? One Duke. That one in Greensboro. That, no, one wasn't Carolina. Duke, it wasn't Carolina. It wasn't was, Notre Dame. Was it Virginia? It was Virginia. They didn't even play Virginia. So, I mean, no. again, I'm not taking right. anything away. You win an ACC men's basketball title, it is a big deal. You don't believe me? Ask Virginia Tech, which mm-hmm. we'll get to. Notre Dame women's right. basketball, I always put them on a standard of, hey, it's a national championship team. Always. Always under Muffet. I mean, it didn't right. mean you always won it. You didn't. I mean, Geno had great teams. Don Staley's got great teams. But I expected Notre Dame to do that. Nobody expected Notre Dame baseball. Nobody expected Notre Dame baseball to do what they did in Knoxville. Other than that, other right. than that locker room and Link Jarrett's guys, so that that mm-hmm. I'll just rest my case with that. There you go, tag you. Okay, it. that's good. All right. It also begs the question. We talked about this yesterday. What's the best athletic moment in the ACC from each of the seven schools that have joined the league since two thousand? So we speculate a little bit during commercial breaks. Talked about it on the air briefly, kind of passing through. I mean. So if you go in order here, Boston College, to me, probably the Women's Lacrosse National Championship. Yes. I mean, Charlotte North is a Charlotte North is a spectacular ACC star at any sport in the last decade easily. Pac. Yeah. I, I, you get no argument with, with me on this one. Because, I mean, where else are you going to go? Yeah. You're going to go hoops? No. You're going to go football? No. Even though there have been some moments for BC early when they joined the conference. Um, to, yep. me, it, it, to me, it is winning the Natty and having a superstar mm-hmm. lead the way. 
And uh, they had a chance to win it again right. this year. Of course, the BC North Carolina thing has turned into a great rivalry, not only within the league, but from a national perspective. So, mm. yeah, I think Boston College, to me, that's an easy call. That's an easy call for BC. Yeah. Uh, Matt Ryan in 2007 taking Boston College to number two in the country in football would also certainly qualify. It's in a hunt. Uh, as, a, as a potential spot. Uh, for Louisville, Lamar Jackson. Right? I mean, in all honesty, Lamar Jackson, right after you joined the league, Lamar Jackson became a thing. And when this guy when this guy hit the go button, everything changed. So Bottom cool. line. And he was so good. Gosh. I, I still go back to that Louisville-Clemson game. There's Deshaun Watson sitting there in front row going, man, he got that hardware, but I got the other one. Um I mean, that mm-hmm. game, game, I'm telling you, that game will go down in ACC lore as one of the all-time yeah. great night. The environment, two top five teams, two incredible quarterbacks, back and forth, the momentum swings, the crowd noise, the way that thing ended, that mm-hmm. was some kind of football game. Yeah. Um, Miami, Pac, we talked about this because we've had a lot of discussions about Miami football and the things Miami football has not done since joining the ACC. Basketball has been very good. Uh, ACC Tournament Championship in Greensboro on a Sunday against Carolina, an Elite Eight run this year before falling to Kansas. Um, I mean, there have been individual national championships, but is this the best moment for Miami this year, the Elite Eight run? You know, Miami's a... uh... They're kind of hard to put your finger on, aren't they? Because I'll go back to you and I have talked about this before. When Miami joined the league, everybody, mm-hmm. not most, everyone assumed that Miami and Florida State were going to be in opposite sides. We're going to be two different divisions. And we're going to see that game as often as you want for the ACC football championship. That was the given given what Bobby Bowden had been building in Florida State and the incredible run, and now Miami's going to join coming off their all-world teams in the early part of the century. You just assumed that we're going to get Miami-Florida State on a consistent basis in the ACC football championship game. We now enter the 2022 season, and we've never seen it. Just goes to show you what we know, Mm -hmm. right? What you assume is going to happen, what you – just to go ahead and mark it down, put it in, and ain't God, that's going to happen. Tennessee's an automatic lock to win the World Series. Okay, cool. Great. How'd that work out? I mean, so Miami's right, hard look. to Miami's hard to to pinpoint based on what your expectations were for the Canes, what you thought they were going to bring to the table, mm-hmm. and you really thought their basketball, Wes, at least I did. Boy, what a struggle that's going to be. Hey, how long will it take till Miami basketball is a blip on the screen? in ACC hoops, and look how that has now turned out. I mean, really, those two sports have been polar opposites based on what your expectations were when they joined the conference 18 years ago. Total opposites. All right, we're going to get to uh, Pittsburgh, Syracuse, Virginia Tech as well uh, before we're done. Um, By the way, this whole Miami um, deal – is uh, Miami, Florida State you were speaking of, is a cautionary tale to our friends over there just just to the west of us in the Southeastern Conference who welcome Oklahoma and Texas and think that that automatically becomes a thing. 
You can't assume anything's going to happen when you get as big as that. When you get well, to 16 teams, you can't assume certain championships are going to take place, no matter your scheduling brackets in football. Well, you know, that you can't control. But, you know, those two have a great relationship in terms of the rivalry, and that will continue. I don't care what the sport is. You just saw mm-hmm. it in softball for a national championship. Right. So, I mean, the rivalry would be great. But in terms of the pecking order mm-hmm. in the big picture, you never know how all that stuff's going to play out. But th- that would know. be a that's an that's SEC right. that's an SEC issue. That doesn't really concern us. So, again, those are no. two great, two great yeah. schools, two great programs. They'll bring a lot to the table, and they'll have a lot of people talking about it. But – you know, Miami, Florida State, based on what we thought we were going to get, we just really haven't seen it, quite frankly, as far as an ACC That's football it. championship game. Haven't seen it. Mm. Uh, when we come back, two a days, John Mita Perel joins us. There is reason for optimism in Boston around the Eagles program, but there is also pause for certain areas of the Eagle football team. We'll talk to Meter about that and more when we continue on Packer and Durham on a Tuesday. Packer and Durham. Here's Mark Packer and Wes Durham. Packer and Durham on a Tuesday. 844-SAY-ACCN. The first of many guests come your way. And it's an old buddy of ours making his sixth appearance on the program, the voice of the Boston College Eagles. And he's coming to a U.S. Open venue near you soon. John Mita Perel, what's happening? What's up, guys? You know, it's going to be tough today. Practice round of the U.S. Open. Tough life, but somebody's going to do it. So, uh, just curious, so, before we get to BC a second, uh, when you're out there meandering amongst <laughs> the locals uh, at Brookline, uh, do you go up to Phil Mickelson, ask for a loan, see if you can borrow a couple uh, Hyundai's, you know, a couple C notes here on the side? <laughs> I think I'm gonna. I think I'd rather go up to Packer at Durham for a loan than Phil Mickelson at this hour. Uh, I don't think I want to talk to Phil. I'm not a big fan right now, Pack. No, you're not. Uh, you're not into the uh, the loyalty factor or lack thereof there. That uh, he just took the 200 million, decided to go play some golf instead. I mean, like like you would have turned that down. Just curious. Uh, yeah. I probably would have. I probably would have. If Phil had done some research, I think it would have been, you know, pretty uh, nice of him to might do have that. Been helpful. But so you, you might have been helpful. You, yes. you, you would have turned down two hundred million dollars to play nine golf events. Well, when you have like probably three hundred million in the bank, it's much easier to do that. Now, me, if I have twenty bucks in the bank, I might think twice. But you know, I think Phil. Uh, had a little bit of money in the bank. I know he had $40 million in debt, reportedly. But Yeah. Well, I hope you have a yeah. good time out there on the links. I mean, I, I hope this is this John. interview is not like taking away from at least 30 minutes that you could have gotten a head start out there watching the U.S. Open <laughs> yeah. and getting a head start on yeah. all that stuff. Uh, it actually is, but that's okay. I do anything for Packard. Durham. Yeah, well, anything. we appreciate that. We appreciate yeah, so, that. Anything. Well, bless your heart. Yeah. John, uh, real quick at, at Brookline, you're gonna be uh, you're gonna be helping them fill up the gas golf carts over there today. What are we gonna be doing? We, oh, uh, yeah. you know, they, it's a gas cart or gas carts, not electric carts over there, at Brookline, right? You got the big engine when you push the <laughs> push the accelerator. Is that right? I don't think so, right? Yeah, yeah Brookline's stuck in like 1940 West. You know, they're not they're not progressive at all. So. I might be uh, I might be forced to do that. I'll do anything again. I'll, I'm willing to do anything. I'm going to be there Friday, too. So, Wow. Team oh, guy. hey, okay. What a week. All right. Meter. 
Here's, let's start here with Jeff Halfley's team. After beginning his career in COVID, um, it looked like last year was getting ready to take off and a freak hand injury to Phil Jakovic at UMass kind of changed the course a little bit of that football team. Defensively, we've kind of been waiting. Offensively, we've seen it. Where do you think they are going into 22 based on the spring? Because, yeah, I know there's some really talented guys gone in the offensive line. I know they're kind of doing a reset in the defense. I know there's a new offensive mind or eyes in John McNulty. It just feels like BC is kind of being written in that second tier of teams in the Atlantic. And yet, when you look at their personnel, Zay Flowers and Jakovic in particular, they may have a chance to play in that first tier by the time the season gets rolling. Yeah, no, first of all, as you guys well know, BC never gets respect. So I think they're used to that. Even You can go back to Matt Ryan's days when they weren't even picked first in the Atlantic. So I think that's something that they, they thrive on or they, they should thrive on. And I think this group will. I think, uh, as you correctly pointed out, Wes, they definitely have a plethora of offensive weapons. It starts with Jerkovic. That was a huge blow last week when he went out. Grossell did what he could do, but they were limited. And I think the new offensive coordinator, John McNulty, will be a boost. I think a lot of guys, even even with BC's Flowers and Jerkovic passing attack, you don't talk about Pat Garwo enough either. I know running backs are kind of mm. de-emphasized in today's football world, but Garwo averaged five yards a a carry and seven touchdowns, and he rushed for a thousand yards. So when BC is good, they have that balance, and I think this year that balance will be there. It will be tough to replace the four offensive linemen. There's no question about that. But I think offensively, I'm not worried at all. I think defensively is when you talk about, and I know Jeff Hapley's always talked about this with you guys: is how do you generate a better pass rush, and how do you get more turnovers? And one one hand shakes the other. They get that pass rush, turnovers will come, but that's a question mark. Right, I want to go back to the offensive line because you know, we just had a conversation before we brought you on, John, about assumptions, things that we always assume to be true until it's proven otherwise. Mm. And we just talked about Miami and Florida State in football thinking we were going to get that game in the ACC football championship all the time. We've never seen it since Miami joined the league. I think of Boston College, the first thing that pops in my head always – is great, not good, great offensive line play. And you know what? The numbers don't lie. Look at the NFL draft. Look at what we've seen here lately, the last couple of years, even the Halfley regime of terrific offensive linemen. You know, just to assume, well, you lose three or four starters, but we'll be good. Man, you lost four really, really talented offensive linemen. So are you that mm-hmm. comfortable up front that, hey, they're young, but they're going to be really good? I mean, you tell me what the comfort zone is up front with this team offensively. I think the comfort zone is – I am comfortable, yes, Pac. I'm always comfortable. But I think Ozzy Trapillo and Drew Kendall are two guys that you guys are going to be talking a lot about. And they're both NFL lineage guys. Uh, Ozzy's late father, Steve, played with New Orleans. You know Pete Kendall played some terrific football with the Jets and the Redskins and the Seahawks. So those two guys, are those are your building blocks right now. They played a lot last year, a decent amount, especially Trapillo. And it all, it all comes down to coaching with BC, too, up front, Pac. Dave DeGuglielmo, a former NFL offensive line coach, he's in this year. I think they don't rebuild up front, they reload. And that might be a cliche, but it's true when it comes to BC's offensive linemen. Uh, Would I be be much more comfortable with Zion Johnson and company? Of course I would. But right now, 
uh, I think they're going to be good. And I think right now if they're at that good level. They can be great by, you know, by Syracuse in the end of the season. That could be a, a great offensive line. All right, Meter, here's the thing. We were talking about the offensive line. Uh, Sheeta Salas showed some flashes last year, right? I mean, there was a guy that helped a little bit. I'm sitting here looking at kind of where you are. Valdez has been there how many years? Ten? I mean, it feels like Marcus <laughs> Valdez has been there a half dozen years. Where yeah. where are they defensively? Because we've gotten used to the Harold Landrys. We've gotten used to the pressure guys on the edge. It just feels like they're a little better on that side of the ball than they got credit for last year in some respect. Yeah, no, I think I think the numbers aren't great, though, Wes. I think people look at that. Guys like me look at that and say, hey, they're 96th in the – in the nation in uh, sacks at 1.7 per game. So we look at that and say maybe they're not quite where they need to be. And you get some good clips here. Josh DeBerry with a sack there, number 21. He's a, he's a corner. But Donovan Ezeraku's a guy to watch on the edge. You mentioned Salah. Yes, Valdez is back. He's a grizzled veteran. They'll take that. Cam Horsley, defensive tackle. They get Boozy on Waku back. Uh, he's a transfer. He's coming back from an injury. Another uh, veteran uh, it's it's about generating that edge pressure, which they haven't had in, in, since the Landry years. You're correct about that. But I did talk to Jeff Halfley on Sunday. He told me their linebackers are really rounding into form. They're looking like, as he said, SEC mm. linebackers. And Bryce Steele, I think, is a guy you really want to watch. He is going to be a fantastic yeah. player. He is extremely, extremely adept at chasing after ball carriers. He is very fast, and he's just getting better and better every day. And, you know, they get Jaden Woodby back, too. That was a big lift for their secondary kid from Florida State who's playing his second year at BC. So there's good things happening on the defensive side, but there's just more questions than there are on offense. John, uh, one thing I've been harping on here for the last couple of months is the ACC's Atlantic Division. I think it's going to be really good. I mean, really, really good. We're yeah. about Clemson. NC State's got everybody back. Wake Forest won the division. They don't lose a starter offensively. Mm-hmm. Sam Hartman's going to be slinging all over the yard. Clawson's a great coach. And then you get this whole Boston College, Louisville, Florida State thing, and no disrespect to Syracuse. And it's like, hey, they're all going to be a problem. They're going to cause issues. for I, I, You pick one. Mm-hmm. So when you look at the schedule, and we haven't gotten to this stage yet of the summer, but when you look at Boston College's schedule, for the Eagles to have that breakthrough, to be that thorn that, hey, no respect, now you got to give us respect. When you look at the schedule, what's the game that you've got circled already that you go, hey, this is a pivotal game as far as BC getting to that next level? What's the one that pops off the screen for you? You know, Pack. I'm gonna. You know, I was always a great leadoff hitter. I'm gonna start the leadoff. Rutgers. I, I think that game is critical. That is a launching pad game for BC. That's that's a game they've all circled. And I know Rutgers is 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 mediocre at best right now, but I think they're coming under Greg Schiano. So if you don't if you don't get that one at the start, that's gonna make your September, which is pretty rugged September, difficult. So that's one you have got to win. And that September, I think if you come out of that at three and one, you got the pillow game with Maine in between. You have the couple night games there with Maine on the ACC network, and then you have Virginia Tech, which is on the ACC network. Those are two games under the lights. September is very, very important for this team. You know, you can talk about Clemson all you want. You can talk about your quote big time games all you want, but let's start with Rutgers. You win that game. I think that would mm. be a nice launching pad moment for BC. 
and maybe answer some questions. Boy, Jeff Halfley <laughs> has schooled you so well. Boy, you have gone total oh, yeah. coach speak in You've week one. You've done very well. We look no further than week one. <laughs> yeah. Jeff Halfley is watching this interview right now with a smile on his face going, man, I don't know who's listening to me, but my play-by-play guy has bought into everything mm-hmm. I've been yeah. selling this spring and summer. Good Why job. Us? I, hey, Pac, I learned from the best. You know, back in the day in Charlotte, I, le- I learned from you. Oh, yeah. You know, now was, look where it got it you. It's called Pac Speak. Yeah, now, now look where it got yeah. you. Got you nowhere. <laughs> yeah. Gas and carts at Brookline. Hey, that's, uh, that's meter, sure. real quick. Um, Blake James joined us yesterday. Uh, and really had a terrific visit with him. And, and Mark and I liked him at Miami, and we think a terrific fit at BC. It feels like that both sides win with Blake James' arrival as athletic director at Boston College. Oh, I think it definitely is, Wes. I think I've been extremely impressed with Blake James. And I think the thing about BC's AD position is you need some stability. And I think Blake James will provide mm-hmm. that. I think the guy can be a program uh, a cultural a cultural builder for them. I think he knows exactly what the ACC landscape is with his time at Miami. You can go back to him knowing New England with Providence and Maine, being the AD up in Maine. Yeah. If you can live in Arno, you can live anywhere. I think it's one of those things where Blake James is extremely confident. Uh, I think he's passionate. Uh, his press conference showed that. I know he was on with you guys yesterday, exhibited that yesterday. Yeah. So I think that was a terrific hire for BC. Yeah. Remember, all right, be well. Great to see you. Don't litter, please. Don't litter. Don't embarrass yourself in Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah, don't litter. Now, don't litter. Now, Make sure your trash goes in the receptacles. No cell phones. No. Act like, no. You, no act cell phone. like you don't belong. All right. This oh, is man. a, this is a step up for you. Fall? Step up for you. Oh, boy. You're going to figure it out, dude. <laughs> figure I will it out. step it up. John Mita Perel. He is the voice of BC football. He's also, this week, the Packer and Durham U.S. Open correspondent on grounds at the Country Club. How's that? We just added a title. There you go. See you, Meter. Be well. See you, guys. Always a pleasure. All right. Stay tuned when we come back. A national champion in pole vault, Gabriella Leon of Louisville, joined us yesterday on the program. Fascinating uh, story. She's terrific. And we talk to her in case you missed it next. The Packer and Durham Podcast. This is the Packer and Durham Podcast. Packer and Durham on a Tuesday. Many thanks to John Mita Perel. On his way to the U.S. Open. Lucky dude. National Bourbon Day, U.S. Open practice round. Doesn't get any better than that now. Pretty good. Yeah. That's it. Brookline will be a nice site this week for the U.S. Open. Uh, Oregon was a great site for Gabriella Leon of Louisville over the weekend. She captured the national championship outdoor pole vault for women, representing not only the University of Louisville, but the ACC. Now, we've talked to Gabby before on the program prior to our visit yesterday, but it's easy to sense when you go out to Oregon that maybe it's your time to win a championship. Was it for her? in case you missed it. Yeah, I mean, going into it, I had a pretty good outdoor season. You know, I PR'd. I was over that 15-foot bar two times, um, over a pretty high bar from short approach in a meet. Um, I kind of knew, like, this was my time. Like, if I was going to do it, it was going to be at this meet at this time. So I was really excited going into it and really motivated to jump high and get that win. Gabby, take us through this process of going out there and getting a feel for kind of the 
the runway, the the stadium itself, the facility at Hayward Field, where I, I know they're doing a lot of construction. I saw cranes as much as I saw competition at times. What did you have to find out about the dynamic of the venue before competition began? Yeah, I mean, first of all, the stadium is just absolutely beautiful. Um, I went there my freshman year before the renovation, uh, the original Hayward mm -hmm. Field, and then being able to go back this year, my last year as a fifth-year senior, was just so amazing. It was absolutely beautiful. The stands were huge. The environment was great. There was a lot of fans cheering. Uh, so being able to get some practices in before that stadium was filled was really important to be able to get used to the feeling and the runway. And then, you know, by the time the meet starts, you just kind of blank everything out and you just focus on the meet and compete as hard as you can. All right, I'm going to ask a really stupid question, and I'm going to preface it before you look at me and go, this guy's lost his mind. Does wind, wind have anything to do with pole vaulting? Like downwind, into the wind, does that affect the pole vault? Yes, 100%. Um, the wind at Hayward Field is historically known to be a swirling wind. So it's kind of a battle of the mentally strong when you get there. Um, a lot of my jumps at the beginning of the meet were actually into a headwind, which is the worst wind you mm. want. You don't want a headwind. And I was running straight into a headwind my first couple jumps. But like I said, I walked in. I was determined. I wanted, I wanted to get the dub. Like, I wanted to win. I wanted to win for my coaches and for Louisville. And so I was determined. <laughs> okay. So, so running into the wind, so is that because you need so much speed to generate to get to that I mean, you, I'm, I'm, for me to explain pole vaulting to you is almost embarrassing. So why is the headwind such a problem as opposed to being downwind doing pole vaulting? Yeah, so when the wind's coming back behind you, it pushes you, so it makes you faster. And if you think pole vault's kind of a, a math equation or physics equation, the faster you want, run, the better you can jump up, the bigger the pole you can get on, and the higher it can fling you in the air. So when you're running into a headwind, it can slow you down a little bit. And so that means you're on smaller poles and not being able to jump as high sometimes. Gabby, take me through the mindset in the competition, though. You get started in this, and we know that you, know, you went 4.6 meters to win the championship. Were you comfortable the whole way? You mentioned experience five years ago in that venue, things of that nature. You had a successful year. Were you comfortable the whole time here? I mean, I know you're competing, but was there a sense of confidence? You were pretty pleased with the way things were going? Yeah, um, I would say I was pretty comfortable just because I knew all the preparation that I did starting in August was going to get me to this point. I was extremely confident and super motivated to do well in this meet. You know, it was my last collegiate meet as a Louisville card, and I wanted to go out with a bang. You know, my coach put so much time into me. Louisville put so much time into me, my teammates put so much time into me, and I really just wanted to get this win and give back to Louisville and the city of Louisville, my coaches, my staff, and everything. I just knew it would be my last shot to give back what they put into me these past five years. By the way, when you get the, uh, when you get the trophy, uh, when you're flying back, is that thing riding first class with you? I mean, what do they, what do, they do with the trophy on your way back to Louisville? <laughs> I put it in my bag. I did not want to check it because you never know if you're going to lose luggage. So I put it right in my book bag. It was sitting in my seat with me. Take us through the decision process now to continue competition because I think people who follow college sports become accustomed to football, basketball, baseball. You know what I mean, right? 
In track and mm-hmm. field, it works a little different. You've got to kind of make a conscientious decision. You've got to find funding to do it. You've got to find financial support to do it. How do, how do you think, what are you going to try and accomplish here? And, and kind of what markers have you set out there for yourself? Yeah, so um, this will have been in my last collegiate uh, meet at the NCAA championships, but I do have USAs um, in about two weeks here uh, back in Eugene, Oregon. So I'll be competing in that meet to make the world team. And then there are also maybe mm. some opportunities to compete in Europe after that. Um, I do continue to compete after college and go professional. So there's a lot to sort out with that these next couple weeks, these next couple months to figure out, you know, sponsorships, coaches, all that type of stuff. So it's really exciting, and I'm looking forward to all of it. That's what I wanted to ask you was a sponsorship standpoint. Uh, I know name, image, and likeness has kind of changed, but in some respects it never changes, especially if you're going to go pro. So from a sponsorship standpoint, like what kind of deals could you expect to get from a pole vaulting perspective? Yeah, so hopefully uh, sign with a clothing brand, shoe brand, you know, get some spikes, training Mm -hmm. shoes, some Training clothes, competition clothes, um, some other thing would be a pole brand. You know, poles are very, very expensive. So hopefully I can get a sponsorship with UCS Spirit is the poles I use. Um, Some other things may be some nutritional aspects. I'm very in tune with nutrition. So supplements, uh, things like that. Um, By the way, what does, uh, how, how much does a pole vault? I mean, what does that cost? Well, I mean, if I want to go, if I want to go to Dick's Sporting Goods and buy a pole to, to pole vault, oh, I, don't I don't even know where I'd, I know where I'd go for it. What is it? What does something like that cost, Gabby? I'm just curious. Is that like a thousand dollars? What's that cost? Yeah, I mean, it depends on the pole. Um, my poles probably cost about seven hundred to eight hundred because I'm on smaller poles since I'm a smaller person. But men, like mm. they, theirs can cost like well over a thousand dollars. Working on deals, Wes. Working on deals. Got to get us a pole vault deal for Gabby. She's sweet, man. She's great. I still think. I, I still think you need to have your name on the side of one of those pole vaults running down the road. Well, I, between, between that and we're going we're to have Claudio Romero on in about uh, fifteen or twenty minutes. I think we should get the West Durham name on the side of that discus because that is really discus. Something we very need. small. Yeah, very small. Be very small. Small print. <laughs> That's it. Claudio Romero is part of a busy 8 o'clock hour. It also features Louisville linebacker Yusir Abdullah. We will get to all that and more. But when we come back, the uh, Notre Dame baseball quest. Is it championship or bust for Link Jarrett at this point? Maybe for all eight of them when they get to Omaha. Back after that. Packer and Durham. 